Thanks for checking out the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. To find out more about us, visit our website at iloveelevate.com. You can also stay up to date with what's going on by finding us on social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. We hope you enjoy this message and it brings you closer to Jesus. In the Old Testament about Moses bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt. Oh, thanks, dude. Moses had brought the children of Israel out of Egypt into the wilderness. And it wasn't long that in a wilderness and 600,000 people, plus, 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 people got hungry fast. And they complained against Moses. They complained against God. And God heard their cries, heard their complaints. And he poured out manna, bread from heaven. Some sort of flaky, crusty, honey-flavored bread would be found in the mornings. And six days out of the week, they would go and they'd pick it up. And they'd take it home and they'd bake it and they'd crush it and make bread out of it. And then on the seventh day, there was nothing. And they would gather twice as much on the day before. It wasn't a Sunday. For them, it was a Saturday. They'd gather twice as much on a Friday. And then they would spend this day of rest on their Sabbath, which is a Saturday. So if God provided for his people then, in a very crucial, critical way, what does he do for his people now? How does he provide and take care of his people now? Two weeks ago, we talked about how God gives his people rest. Boy, that... We talked about how that will sustain us, that it's one of God's gifts to empower us, to strengthen us, to help us decompress, to help us be better to each other and better for Him. Last week, we talked about how God gives us each other. He gives us the body of Christ, that we love one another, we lift each other up, and we encourage each other. We call to each other to be accountable to Christ. He gives us support through each other. And tonight... We're going to talk about probably the most, I don't know, poignant of them all. He gives us his Holy Spirit. Like God himself dwelling in us through the person of the Holy Spirit. That is just phenomenal. That's unreal. That's outside of our sphere of comprehension. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you use every word of my mouth. Let it be yours and not mine. Let your scriptures, let them soak into us. Let us meditate and marinate in your scriptures tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. As Christians, we believe in a triune God. It's like this crazy, enigmatic, can't wrap our minds around thing where there is one God who reveals himself as three different persons. The best way that we have to describe it, and it's not even like that great, is we have what has been set down years and years and years ago called the, the Athanasian Creed. And I'm just going to read a, a quick excerpt just so we can be on the same page. We worship one God in Trinity and the Trinity in unity, neither blending their persons nor dividing their essence, their glory being co-equal and their majesty co-eternal. It's hard to wrap our minds around the Trinity. But we see it at work throughout all the scriptures. Through the Old Testament, in Genesis, we see the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. The, the Hebrew word is ruach, and it means breath, or wind, or divine power. And it's through the Holy Spirit that he creates, just like what John 1.1 1, 1 says, that, that Jesus is the Word, and through him, everything was created. It's because they work together. They're, they're a unity. They're one God. In Exodus, God leads the children of Israel. While they're collecting manna in the morning, 
God is leading them with his presence, with his Holy Spirit, and it's revealed to them as this pillar of fire, this big flaming pillar. I don't know what else to call it. And they, whenever it moved, they would pack up their tents and they would follow it, and then whenever it stopped, they would, they would make camp. Wild. In the book of Judges, the Holy Spirit would come for momentary times on the different leaders and judges, and the Holy Spirit would come on somebody, and then they would go to war against their enemies, and they would totally drive their enemies out. In Psalms, David talks about the Spirit as the God who purifies. In Psalm 51, when David is at his absolute lowest, when he knows that he blew it, committed adultery and murdered, he turns to God and says, let your Holy Spirit wash me. In Proverbs, the Holy Spirit is represented as, as often as wisdom, and through wisdom, God created the heavens and the earth. The prophets, whenever they spoke, they spoke on behalf of God through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And at salvation, when you said, yes, God, I do. I give my life to you. I'm yours. At salvation, our God puts that same Holy Spirit in us to strengthen us and to sustain his people today. Man, where do you start with a topic this big? I could, I could speak on this for months and not get to the bottom of the Christian understanding and lack of understanding of some of these complexities. But I want to just give a glimpse tonight because I want to plant some seeds of hope. I think it's God wanting to plant some seeds of hope in his people tonight. So let's turn to John chapter 14. Verse 15 through 21. I'm going to move this over here. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, If you love me, keep my commandments. There's a litmus test right there. That's totally off subject. How many of us say we love Jesus and we don't? And I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. Like, because Jesus just told him, like, guys, I'm going away. I'm not going to be with you forever. Actually, I'm going away really, really soon. And they're all like, what are we going to do? You're the leader. You're in charge. I'm not leaving you orphans. I'm not leaving you without a father. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. I will come to you a little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I am in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. This helper, I'm going to send a helper to you. The helper, I'm skipping around a little bit here. The word here in Greek is, is parakletos. Parakletos. Can you say parakletos? Parakletos. And it means, literally it means, one who is called alongside, as in someone who partners with you. This is often translated in our Bibles as comforter, an advocate, a helper. I want to break down kind of an understanding of the Holy Spirit as if we're looking at a job description. Someday, you're going to be applying for a job. But not just any job. You're going to want to know what you're signing up for. 
is, is the pay that I'm going to get worth the responsibilities that I have? And they're going to give you a job description. And it's going to have the title that you would take. It's going to have the responsibilities that you're going to have to do. And it's going to say, do you have these skills so that you can work for us and get the job done? And so I want to, just as a simple way to sort of break this down, I want to look at the Holy Spirit's work through kind of the eyes of a job description. So the first thing, the position title. He is called throughout the Bible, the Spirit, and this like blew my mind whenever it occurred to me. Holy Spirit. You see, they have a lot of gods floating around back then. They had the God of the river, and they had the God of weather, and they had the God of wheat, and they had the God of fertility, and the God of this and of that. And when we think of Holy Spirit, we have to think through the terms of their eyes, He is the Spirit of... It's not a trick question. He's the Spirit of holiness. Position title is the spirit of holiness and truth. Three times in John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus is going to call him the spirit of truth. His job summary. What's the point? What's the purpose of him coming? Jesus says, I'm going away. I'm going to send him. Why? His job summary is this. He's going to prepare the church for Christ. He's going to prepare his kingdom for the king. He's going to prepare a bride for her bridegroom. Because when we get to heaven, God will have been working in us. He's going to be working in his people all the way from now until that day that he comes to get us or we die. And who will we be standing before? Our holy God that loved us that much. And between now and then, he is preparing our hearts. He's chiseling away the sin and unrighteousness. He's creating in us an idea and an understanding of faith that he is father. He is king. He's the one who loves us more than anything. Sorry that that rhymed. So what are his responsibilities? He's a helper. He sanctifies and he empowers. I already described help. Parakletos. Sanctifies. What does that mean? Sanctifies is directly connected to the word holiness. Here's a couple different illustrations. Imagine... A bride's dress. Can you imagine the bride if she was like walking down the aisle? Big moment in glory. Everyone's looking at her. And then somebody trips who had lipstick on and smeared it right across her beautiful white gown. I'm not sure if she would die or the person that did it would die, but there's going to be death happening in this moment. Something that is sacred, that is beautiful, that is holy, that is clean, and it's marred by something, right? Think about... You're drinking water. What if, because we're in a state where there's constantly dead animals everywhere, what if a dead animal fell into your water well of clean drinking water? You understand what I'm saying? Like that water is something you would protect. You would you'd make sure that it's clean and pure and nothing's going to get into it. The Holy Spirit comes and he makes us holy. He makes us set apart for a purpose. He creates in us the only thing that can bring us before a holy God, and that is ultimate purity, something we can never achieve. Our greatest possible achievement, Paul says, is just dirty poop rags. Not kidding. That's what he means. That's the greatest a human can ever achieve, but for Christ, that he would lay his holiness and his righteousness over us so that we can go into the holy of holies, which is a metaphor that we can be in the presence of God. He comes and he sanctifies his people. He holifies his people. And then the third one, he empowers his people. 
So what are his skills? And his skills are going to fall under these categories. We're going to look at helps first. Our Holy Spirit comforts and gives us peace. It's in the same vein that he's talking about the Holy Spirit that he has this awesome discourse. John 14, 26 through 27. But the helper of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, we're going to come back to this first. He will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all the things that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Why? Because I'm giving you a comforter. I'm giving you a helper. One of the fastest growing industries in the United States today is security. Through doorbells and cameras and everything under the sun. Security, security, security. Because we do not live in peace. The more keys you have on your keychain, the more reasons you have to be unpeaceful. We live in constant anxiety. What's going to happen tomorrow? Am I going to be good enough for this or that? Is something bad going to happen in this situation? What if I try and I fail in this arena or that? We live in a constant state of anxiety. It is so good to know that if we're willing to surrender, we have inside of us a comforter who gives peace. Not as the world gives some sort of camera, not as the world gives some sort of 401k, but a peace that goes inward. Later, it talks about a peace that goes beyond human understanding. That kind of peace. The Holy Spirit helps. Another way that he helps, another one of his skills is that he unites the body of Christ. We talked about this last week. We're going to look at some verses from last week. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. Isn't it crazy how God does so many like oneness things, unity things? He's really like all about unity. For by one spirit. We were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. What organization anywhere on the planet can you find as eclectic a group of people as what you find in a body of Christ? Of all races, of all different economic statuses, of all different tastes and hobbies and everything that can divide people They come together under one principle, (laughs) under one spirit. The Holy Spirit grabs all these different people from every walk of life, of every age, of every denomination, and he ties us together in unity and points us towards a common purpose. He unites us to the body of Christ. He's the glue that holds together the eye and the nose and the hand and the feet and all the different things. If he didn't hold us together, we'd all just be doing something different. Something crazy, all renegade on our own. Another one of the Holy Spirit's responsibilities is he sanctifies. One of his skills that he has under his sanctification of his people starts right at the beginning. He regenerates the believer, affecting new birth. When you said, yes, God, I'm in 100%. I give my life to you. I surrender. I believe that you are the son of God, that you died on the cross to save me. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you rose from the, gra- from the grave. Please take this deadness inside of me, this corpse of a soul, and raise me up 
into a new creation. Boom! The Holy Spirit comes and he takes something that was dry and dead, like a plant. It's all brown and dilapidated. And he pulls it out of the ground and he brings it over to a new vine, which Jesus is going to talk about. And he grafts it in to a green vine full of health and vitamins and nutrients and strength. That's for you, Jackie. Natural Libre. And soon the sap of that green vine begins to flow through those old dry capillaries. And as it starts to stretch out into the outer parts, new fruit begin to grow. New life is put in. And that happens when we say, yes, Lord, I'm yours. John 3, we're going to start in verse 3 and go through verse 6. This is leading up to like the epitomous John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. And this is what he said just beforehand. He's talking to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus is very confused. And Jesus says this, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus is like, are you kidding? First of all, I'm a little taller than I was when I was born. And second of all, gross? See, like we can accept that kind of language, but for Nicodemus, this was like really a bizarre, you know, imaginary thought. Imaginary thought and imagination, though. Nicodemus said to them, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb? Yeah, he's like seriously grossed out right now. Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, representing physical birth, and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. I love some of the analogies that Paul gives because he talks about baptism in a whole different way than what we might grasp. He discusses baptism as, okay, if Jesus died on a cross and his resurrected life began at death, then he's just the first fruit. He's, he's like the number one off the starting line, but for his believers at baptism, it shows the same symbol, that when we're baptized under the water, we come up and everything that was dead is left behind. That old corpse, that old selfish self-centered, got to have it my way, rebellious to God thing is now dead. And what comes out is a new creation. Sploosh, new life. It's beautiful. It changes everything. The only metaphor I can come up with is like a butterfly. This thing that could only walk on dirt has given flight. And it's completely new. Completely different than before. The Holy Spirit sanctifies. And then he goes a step further because at the washing away of our sins, of that momentary confession, he begins a new work that's going to last the rest of our lives. Let's look at John 16. I'm going to start in verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I'm going to send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And commentaries have all kinds of different bends on this. If you just leave that up there for me. And they, 
they try to interpret what are what are each of these things mean. I'm going to step out of this is Dom's best shot. Of the world because they do not believe. If he is the spirit of holiness, then what is unholy cannot be with what with God. That's that's why we have Jesus. And so there is nothing but condemnation for those who can't stand in the presence of a holy God for eternity. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father. He's also going to convict the righteous, us. And we need that regularly because we don't have, because we don't have Jesus in person standing here. That'd be cool, right? But we have the Holy Spirit in us to keep reminding us, to keep leading us, to keep convicting us and going, that what you said back there, that's not Jesus. The things that you're planning on doing tomorrow, conviction. And of judgment because the ruler of this world is to be judged. And that gives me hope because that means that our enemy, the lion prowling around, he's going to hell. He will be sent for eternity away from God's people. Good stuff. The Holy Spirit, he empowers. What are some of the responsibilities under empowerment? Oh, I like this one because I have a bad memory. He teaches us and he reminds us of God's word. John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance the things that I've said to you. Boy, that's good. I mean, how many times have you been like, ah, I don't have an answer. Isn't it great that we have a comforter that's going to say, I'll be with you in those times? I'm going to help you know what to say. Matthew 13, verse 11. Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. To he who has abundance, whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away. I'm lost. Okay, so the verse I'm shooting for says that Jesus is telling his disciples that they're going to be brought before kings and they're going to be put on trial. But he says, don't worry about what you're going to have to say in those moments because the Holy Spirit is going to tell you what you need in those moments. The Holy Spirit comes and he empowers us. He teaches us and reminds us of God's word. You know, sort of in a rewind, Jesus knows his disciples are about to get hardcore persecuted. Every one of his disciples are going to get persecuted. All but John are going to be executed for their faith. And John doesn't have a great living either. I don't think it's a mistake that he refers to the Holy Spirit as a comforter, as one who walks beside us. I think that's important. He empowers us. Another way that he empowers us is he compels and he equips us to preach the truth. We have something that is vitally important. We have news that is life and death. Not life and death for our little short life. Life and death eternal. And yet sometimes we slide into casual Christianity. We slide into just floating through life. And the Holy Spirit comes in and it gives us a good swift kick in the rear end. And it compels us. But he also equips us. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 5. And then we're going to jump to verse 8. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He is about to leave earth. He's about to do his launch off the mountaintop. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. 
But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be a witness to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. The Holy Spirit is what propels us to go. Have you ever thought about how it seems like all the great universities, the hospitals, relief aid, like the Red Cross and other things like that, orphanages, schools, when you really trace them back, they all go back to a Christian. Check it out. It's amazing. We, the body of Christ, we have our fingers in like every pie on the planet in some way or another. Because there's something in God's people that says, I've got to go. I've got to make a difference. I see people hurting over here. They need Jesus. They need help. They need Jesus. And it's going to be through me. And over here, there's these orphans, and I've got to do something. I can't sit still. Something's propelling me, and, and, and it's driving me to love. And over here, these people over here, they need relief aid. They need clothes, and they need food. I can't sit by myself and do nothing. I, something is driving me. I hurt for them. I wake up in tears in the middle of the night. Something has to be done. It's, that's why so many of these organizations go back to a Christian that was driven by the Holy Spirit. Because there's something in us that doesn't sit by. And that's Him. He compels us to go out and preach the truth, but He also equips us. There's a little bit of, bear with me. This is so interesting. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He equips us. And some of these are going to sound really foreign, and we're going to take the time to dissect these someday. But it won't be tonight. Sorry. I want to get to e-groups. He equips his people. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. These are not a comprehensive list, but some of the spiritual gifts that God empowers his people with to go do crazy things. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works in all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. That's so awesome. I'd love to dig in and spend time there. But I want you to understand that the Spirit doesn't just kick us out there, hey, good luck. He also equips His people. It's a really good thing that He doesn't call the equipped, because I do not fit in that category. But thank God for the Holy Spirit that He equips the called. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 25. But the fruit of the Spirit, so we looked at the gifts, here's the fruit. So we spend time with the Spirit, what comes out of it? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there's no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh, that baptism, sploosh, with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. This is also not a comprehensive list. There's other things like hope and faith that are in other lists that Paul talks about. 
when we spend time walking in the Holy Spirit, when we spend time surrendering to Him, these are just going to come out naturally. Good news. You don't have to look at that list and say, okay, doing okay on the joy, doing okay on the the peace. I could really use some patience. This week, I'm going to have to work on patience so I can tick that off next week. Like, that's not the way it works. What it works is we surrender to the Holy Spirit, and it's the Holy Spirit in us that blossoms these things out. That's good news. Because it's not saying, go be better, go be better, go be better. It's saying, just let me dwell in you. Just keep turning to me. And you know what? All those things, they're going to come. They're going to grow out of that. The Holy Spirit empowers through compelling us and equipping us to preach the truth. The last thing, and I'm sure there's many, many more that you can find as you search through Scripture. But the last thing I want to talk about tonight, he empowers us, and the skill that he brings is he motivates us to love. Paul just gets done talking about all these different gifts and, and tongues and prophecies and all kinds of crazy things, and then he comes to this, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 29. This is going to get familiar real fast. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Anybody like, that's me. I do them all. Totally there for you. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Though I speak with the tongues of men and the tongues of angels, but if I don't have love, I have become a sounding brass, like someone smacking that symbol over there. It just lasts for a second, or a clanging symbol. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and though I have faith so that I can remove mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. The Holy Spirit empowers us by motivating us to love. What is a greater way of teaching someone about Jesus that died for our sins out of love than through expressing love. You can go and you can prophesy at somebody or do something crazy all day long. All the miracles, left, right. You know, if miracles worked solely, then Jesus would have had a lot more than 12. But there were times whenever Jesus would say something hard and the big crowd that was following him around because they liked the miracles he did, they walked. And Jesus had to turn to his 12 and say, you guys going to leave too? And they had the right answer. Where else would we go that we'd find the words of life? They're only in you. Miracles aren't enough. Love makes a difference. It makes maybe all the difference. He is our helper. We're never alone. We have a guide, a companion. When we're lost or searching or hurting or crying or sad or scared or have no idea what's coming, he's our comforter. He is God. And as long as we're surrendered to him, he'll take care of the things that we can't predict and we can't see and the things that we have no control over. He is the God that sanctifies us. The same spirit that saves us, regenerates us, and makes us new creations. And he continually and perpetually works in us. He continually offers his Holy Spirit bleach that as often as we'll come back to him and say, Lord, forgive me, I blew it again. He's going to wash of us of our sins and throw our sins away as far as the east is from the west. Whenever we're hanging, when we're just messed up by our hurts, habits, and hang-ups, he is there to sanctify us over and over again. 
He is there to empower us. He equips us with his strength and power in necessary times to further the kingdom of heaven. He motivates us to be lights in dark places, to not back down when we're ridiculed or persecuted, to be ministers wherever we go. I say it often. Please hear me again. The only boundaries of what God can do through you are the ones that you set when you play it safe. So here's my challenge for tonight before we break out into e-groups. Boy, our questions tonight are really interesting. You're going to have to think hard. You're going to have to pray before you go to e-groups. Lord, open up my mind. Help me discuss and ask the right questions. But here's my challenge for tonight. This week, and you're going to have a chance to do it in e-groups, write down the 10 most important things in your life. Top 10. Maybe those are family, school, a sport, friends, your faith, your goals and dreams, your health. What are those top 10 things in your life that are the absolute most important things in your life? Here's the tricky part. Spend some time in prayer this week. You're not going to have time to do this in e-groups. Spend some time in prayer this week. Take your top 10 and begin to surrender every one of those to the Holy Spirit. Lord, take my family. It's an empty vessel. Pour into it. I give it to you. It's no longer in my control. Lord, here's my money. I make you governor over my money. It's not mine anymore. It's yours. Here's this romantic relationship that I'm really excited about or I'm interested in. I give it to you. I really, really want to have control. Top 10. Spend some time in prayer. Some of those things are going to be easy. Some of those things are going to be really hard. I spent time on my face in tears in college because God asked me to give up my hopes and dreams of what I wanted to do. The same things that motivated me since I was in third grade to always make good grades. I got to college and God said, none of that actually matters in my plan. Ah! I had a wise enough friend that said, maybe God isn't asking you to flip a switch tonight. Maybe he's asking you to put that goal in your future and to work to get there. That was good wisdom. Good friends. All right, your challenge. Write down your 10 things. Spend some time in prayer this week, surrendering those to the Holy Spirit. E-group leaders, run to the stage. All right, as they're coming up, we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, we surrender this word to you. We surrender our hearts and our ears and our, and our minds. And I pray, Lord, that you will pour your Holy Spirit into us. Lead us, direct us, propel us into what you have for us. You are God and God alone. In Jesus' name, amen.